0: Welcome to the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Merry Christmas y'all. How are we doing this morning? Good, 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 good energy today. We got uh, we're, was a little suspect on how much more shopping we have to do. So I'm going to just cut this thing short and we'll just uh, get on out here, keep shopping. Uh, but for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jared. Uh, I am not the lead pastor of this community. That would be my man, Jeremiah. Can we please, leave, please uh, give it up for Jeremiah this morning? <laughs> Uh, and uh, I'm just excited for today. Obviously, we got Christmas coming up. Uh, Mariah, totally all the grace for you. As you remember, I was doing stage promo here like, what, a week or two ago, and I kept saying, all right, Christmas is on Monday, and then we have, and I kept going, Friday, Saturday, so, and then everyone's like, no. Christmas is Sunday. So I've like, it's throwing everybody off, right? Uh, but I'm super excited to be with y'all today. I definitely feel confident that uh, God has a word for us today. Uh, but speaking of shopping, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of the worst person to shop for. And here's the reason why. I'm uh, your typical guy that loves tech stuff, Right? And for anyone that understands, like if you got a loved one, family, friend, whatever, that loves tech stuff, you know that that stuff is pricey, right? You're like, you want a what? what? Can't you just want something a little bit like in the $50 range? No, it's gotta be 300, 500, right? And so uh, one of, one of the things I have loved years ago, right, is I, I really, really love uh, just voice technology in general, specifically like, uh, Google Home, Google Voice, uh, uh, Alexa, all the things. How many of y'all have Amazon Alexa? You've got Google Nest, uh, Apple Home, all the things, right? We were, we we're amongst friends here, right? Uh, now, has anyone been impressed at how good these things have gotten? Anyone else impressed? I don't know if you remember the hard days of old, like a few years ago, but do you remember when you would say like, like, you would give it a command, and you would end up just being frustrated by the end, right? How many of you are with me? You're like, you're like this thing was supposed to improve my life, and it's, not, it's doing the complete opposite. I read this on Reddit recently. Uh, he was talking about how he has, I wanna say Apple Home, which still uses Siri, and he's like, he, he, he was raging about how much he hates Siri. And he goes, here's what literally just happened to me. He said, hey Siri, he goes, turn on the kitchen lights. And then Siri goes, okay, the kitchen lights are off. He's like, no, 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 Siri, turn on the kitchen lights. And then he goes, okay, which room? He's like, no, 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 like Siri, turn on the kitchen lights. And then he goes, working on it. And then his son just goes, turns the light on. He's like, oh my gosh, like why do I even have this thing, right? And did that trigger anybody? Did you remember so like, some, something in your own life where you're like, oh my gosh, that Alexa almost threw it across the room, right? And here's what I realized about voice technology is it gets better and better over time, right? It has required more data, more patterns, more successes, more failures, right? And it's always known, the human voice, but it's getting better year after year after year of distinguishing, right? And I can't think of anything more true when it comes to hearing God's voice, almost the exact same thing. It where we know God's voice, but it takes it takes time to really understand and distinguish. You see, most Christians, uh, or I would say many, let's not go too far. Let's say many Christians, I think, um, don't truly believe that God speaks to them. True, right? They don't believe uh, he speaks, right? And maybe uh, you're one of those, like you're in that category where you feel like life is all up to you. How do I navigate uh, this decision or that decision? A lot of people will think that God is just kind of this silent being uh, that can't be heard or understood. But something I always say is, if we're gonna constantly pray and talk to God, who wants to talk to someone that never talks back to you? You ever been in one of those conversations with someone who never asks you a question? You just keep talking to them, and you're like, I'm not really getting anything back? That is not the way uh, our Lord is. And what I want to tell you about today is I have the, and I said Scripture would have the complete opposite belief. And so here's here's what I want you to know. As a child of God, you can hear God's voice as he speaks directly to you. You don't need me, you don't need, like God can, as a child of God, God speaks directly to you. In fact, I'm gonna pray in a moment here that even in the midst of this sermon, right, God is having a one-on-one conversation with you about something else, totally cool with it if you tune me out. You and the Lord, like you can hear the Lord, and here's why I want you to know that, because when God speaks to you, he's always directing your life for your good, for the good of others, and the glory of him. Let's pray, and we're gonna jump into John chapter 10. Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you, Lord, that you are a speaking God. I thank you that uh, I know in this room and online, there are people trying to navigate decisions. Where do I go? What do I do? Do I turn this way to this way? Do I stand still? Do I leave? Whatever it is, I just ask God that you would give clarity in the midst here, that you would encourage us. And I just ask God that uh, your voice would get louder and louder and louder into every single individual in our community uh, and also collectively together. I thank you, God, that you gather your people to encourage them, uh, to, to show them uh, who you are and, to, and just, to, just to strengthen our relationship with you. And I pray that after these moments when we walk out of these doors, God, that we would remember that you are a speaking God, that you love us so much, that you're so encouraging, you're so gentle, uh, you do show correction, but it is always in love and always for our good, for the good of others and the glory of you. We love you so much, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. So John chapter 10, we'll start in verse one, but let me give you some context. I've never really thought about John chapter 10. I've grown up in church forever, but I've never thought about it in the context of what John chapter nine is. Now, it won't be on the screen, but I'll paraphrase it for you. So what happens is Jesus and disciples are just strolling down the road, and they see a guy who's born blind. And the disciples asked, hey, why was he born blind? Was it for his sin or was it for his parents' sin? And Jesus says, neither. It's so that the works of God may just be displayed in him. And so what Jesus does is he heals this man, but this man can't see. So what he does is it says he he creates mud, puts it on his eyes, and then says, go wash in uh, over in this, this area that he would have known. And then he went and did that and then came back seeing. Now... Now the people see this man stroll back into their community and they're like, yo, this guy's been blind his whole life, like what the heck, like what's going on here? And he's like, how'd you get healed? He's like, don't know who healed me, just like this guy told me to do X, Y, Z and, and, and now I'm healed. And so they're like murmuring around like what the heck is going on here? So they call the religious leaders, they call the pastors, they say, hey, uh, what, what? like talk to this guy. So they bring this guy in for questioning, hey, you got healed, you were, so you were blind? And this is like, but, but this person healed you on the Sabbath? Like God can't, like it can't be God because God can't do that. And he's like, who, who was this man? He's like, I don't know, but he, he, he seems to be a prophet, right? So then they go, all right, I don't like his answer. So they call in his parents. Parents roll in, they're like, was your son born blind? They're like, yes. They're like, who healed him? They're like, we don't know, why are you asking us? Ask him, he's a grown man. So sure enough, they bring the guy back and he's like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> like, why are we doing this again? And they ask, like, hey, give glory to God. This man's a sinner. And he's like, if he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But the reality is I couldn't see, and now I'm seeing. And then he they start to have this debate. And <laughs> the guy even says, he goes, Do you also want to believe in him? And they're like, Are you kidding? You, you would try to teach us, bro? They cast him out again. And then Jesus goes and finds him and says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he said, I would, I basically, I need to know who he is. And he's like, it is me who's speaking to you. And he says, yes, I believe. And then he starts talking in, the, in these around, there's Pharisees around them in this conversation. Think of it in a public place. Think of it in the lobby here. Do you believe? Yes, I believe. And they hear this and they're like shocked. And then he starts talking about there's some people that are blind basically, to what God is saying and other people that can see. It's not so much the physical condition, but the spiritual condition. And then Jesus goes into, this, into this, this illustration that we'll be reading right now. He says this in the midst of these people, right? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So he's giving this illustration of a sheetfold. Now it'll be behind me. Uh, this is I, I love this example uh, of this of these rocks and how the sheepfold will look. Right. So you can see behind me there is a door, and in here would be where uh, the sheep are, where he's keep the shepherd is keeping them protected. Right. So what Jesus is saying. So you get the image. Is he's saying. If people are climbing in the other way, like, that ain't the shepherd. The shepherd, he knows his sheep. He's rolling in and out. This is his domain, right? So we keep going. It says, to him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they'll flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers." And this figure of speech, remember, in the context of maybe having a conversation in the lobby, it says it confused them. They didn't understand what he was saying. So Jesus again said to them, "'Truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door.'" So not only, in, so if you think back to that picture, not only is he saying, I'm the good shepherd, that I, I'm protecting all these people, these, these are these are my sheep, he then says, I'm the door. Basically, the only way to get into this pasture, into my protection, is to come through me. Reminds me when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. But what people like to, to hate on Jesus for this, for this statement is they'll say that, man, Jesus was being exclusive, not inclusive. I would argue that he was being specific. He's saying, hey, there's only one way to get in. Uh, Imagine if there was only one way to get to your house. There's no other roads. There's no other dirt roads. He's not being, he's not trying to be uh, exclusive. He's saying, specifically, this is how you get there. You come through the door. We'll go on. He says this, I am the door, or he says, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who's a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But he goes, no, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. My own know me, my own know me, my own know me and my father, and, and my voice, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock and one shepherd. Something I want to stop right here and just talk through is, if you ever notice, Jeremiah, our lead pastor, always before he starts a sermon, he always prays for all the churches in the valley. And I think what he's trying to demonstrate to each and every one of us is that this, this very verse, right, we are one flock, but we may be in different sheepfolds. And so what we make sure as, as this community, I, we can't speak for other churches, but as City View Church, we're not going to criticize and demonize how another sheepfold has their methodology, right, how, how they, what, what they wanna do in another sheepfold. Listen, if we agree on, on Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, et cetera, et cetera, right, th- that, this, we are on one team, right, one flock. We'll keep going. Amen. He says this, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. And if we're to sum up this entire section here, he's saying, like, as a child of God, you and I, we can directly hear God's voice, 100%. When he speaks to us, remember, it's always for your good, the good of others, and the glory of him. So when it talks to God, like when we're talking about God speaking to us, right? When it comes to thinking about how God is directing our lives, uh, there are gonna be some extremely important things that we need to know uh, in order to like, uh, for this to be the, the most beautiful thing that I could ever describe to you, right? And so what I wanna talk to you about first is understanding the heart, meaning the heart of the one who speaks. You see, the problem when it comes to Prayer, the problem when it comes to hearing God's voice, when it comes to like this this pro the challenges we have walking with God, the biggest problem that we all have is not seeing the Lord correctly. Here's what I mean is like if we don't understand his heart, then we'll have no idea how he would sound. If we don't know how he would sound, then we we can just distort everything that he's speaking to us. A theologian once said, he said, uh the most important thing about you and I is how we think about God. Who is he? What's his heart? Who, who, who is the heart of the one who speaks? Rick Warren says this. He's a, he's a pastor. Uh, he, he was over at Saddleback Church in Southern California. And he said every time that he would preach, he said this woman would come up to him and be like, man, Pastor Rick, man, I was so convicted. And then the next week, it's like, Pastor Rick, man, I was just so convicted by that message. Next week, you know, Pastor Rick, mm, just, got, I was so convicted. And then he's like, I'm paraphrasing, he's like, does God ever say anything nice to you? He's like, does he? He's like, I just wanna let you know, like most of the things God says to me are encouraging, amen, and he's like, and there are times in my life that he will, yes, hey, hey, Rick, I need, you, you, that is, you, you're not going that way, hey, Rick, I need you to work on this, right? But many of the things that God says to you and I are encouraging. You see, when I was growing up, I thought God was the cosmic drill sergeant. You ever watch, uh, anyone watch Special Forces on Fox? Everyone ever seen that? Or have anyone seen uh, Navy SEAL videos of how the staff like talks to the SEALs, right? Uh it's not, in, it's not exactly encouraging. They're building these people for war, right? It's a little bit different. And so, like, like many people will think, like, God is constantly that person in your, in your head screaming at you, telling you you're not good enough, get it together, what are you doing? But that's not our God. A lot of people think God might be a domineering father or a passive one, the, the one that doesn't do anything when you really need help. But Jesus is interesting. He, he even mentions fathers about this in Matthew seven. He says, or which one of you, if his son asks him for, for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, which I go, okay, Jesus. He's just calling us all out. He's saying, y'all, you ain't got it together. Remember the other verse that says, uh, no one is good except God and God alone. And so it's like, all right, I guess we're not in the good category. He says, you are evil. Y'all who don't have it together, imperfect, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more do your your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask? This is the heart of our God. So what is the heart in light of John chapter 10, the heart of the God who speaks to you and I? It's that of a good shepherd, a good shepherd. Notice what he says. He says in, in verse three, to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, he leads them out, and he goes before them. So he says, I'm call, I know you by name, each and every one of you who are a child of God, I know you by name, I lead you out, and I go before you. That's his heart. Can we stop for a moment and just imagine right now that right now, despite what uncertainty you're dealing with, did you know that God knows you by name, that he's leading you, going before you right now, and he is guiding you, he's one step ahead, he's clearing the way. Isaiah 64, four, I say it all the time. Uh, ever since the, never since the world began, nor ear has heard, nor eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. That, uh, that our good shepherd is the one who clears the way, the one who goes before you, the one that's on your side, the one that brings you out. Life is not all up to you. Did you know that you have a God that is right now, even in the midst of you not knowing what to do, you are being led and you are being guided. And it's on us to follow. That is the one who speaks. He is that of a good shepherd who knows you by name. He leads you out, he brings you, he brings you out. And then it says he goes before you. He is a good shepherd. But the question is, when the good shepherd is speaking, what is the sound? What's the sound of God's voice? What does God's voice sound like? Or said another way, what are some key distinctions between God's voice and that of the enemy? It's going to be found in the fruit of what he says or what the voice says. Let's take a look at uh, verse three through five. It says, the sheep hear his voice. What do we talk about? He He calls his own sheep by name. He leads them out, brings them out, goes before you. And then it says this, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So I love that Jesus calls it out here. He's like, listen, there are a lot of voices at the table. Who's with me? There's a lot of voices at the table of our mind. There is your voice, there's God's voice, there's the enemy's voice, there's your parents' voice, you know, there's a people's voice, all these things, the voices of our mind. And I love that Jesus calls it out like, hey, there's some voices out there like you, you are not gonna listen, not gonna follow, right? And this is what I love because he's saying here, he's saying, I understand that there's a lot of voices, but you know my voice and a stranger's voice you will not follow, which leads me to the question, how will I know? Verse eight says this, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, don't miss this, but the sheep did not listen to them. He did notice he says all who come before me are thieves and robbers but they did not listen to him and we move to John 10 he then describes the thief in nature saying the thief only comes to steal kill and destroy but I have come that they may have life and life abundantly the thieves they did not listen they did not listen because the thief they are the thief the enemy is trying to lead you to paths that will steal kill, and destroy something. In other words, the enemy will always try to guide you to listen to any other voice but Jesus. I love that he gives this illustration. He's saying like, you know my voice, I'm the good shepherd, but then he says, there's a stranger's voice, there's a thief's voice, he's trying to come in another way, and when he speaks to you, it's always meant, he's always trying to guide us towards things that steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus saying, you know it's not my voice if it leads to that fruit, but you know it's my voice when it leads to life. Have you ever had someone tell you something that stole your peace? Just absolutely, you were cool, and then gone. Peace, gone, now I'm anxious, feel out of control. You ever had a thought come into your mind that just kills any sense of security that you thought you had, and you have this like overwhelming sense of angst? Have you ever had that voice that destroys how you value yourself, saying nothing will ever be good enough, you're too much, you're, you're, not, you're not worth it? Me too. But those voices are not of God, they're the enemy. And shockingly enough, what's sad is that you and I as humans, we can partner with the enemy many times unknowingly, and use those very words to lead people to that future. I love when James says in James 3.9, he says, with, he's talking about the tongue, with it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse people who in the likeness of God. He said, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. He says, my brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? The answer is no, right? But notice what he says in verse 10. He says that Jesus came to give life and life abundantly, which is a very loaded statement. But in the context of what we're talking about today, he's saying and reminding us that his voice will always lead you and I to life every single time, everything he says. So my question is, what is the sound of the voices that we've been listening to? If it is condemning, it's not God. If it produces shame, that's not the Lord. Does it produce fear? No. Does it steer you the wrong way? Not of God. Charles Stanley says this will be behind me God's voice will never tell us to engage in any activity or relationship that is inconsistent with the Holy Scriptures. So you know it's not God. If it's against God's word, you know it's not God if it's producing shame in your life. You know it's not God if it's producing this overwhelming angst, You know that's not the sound of his voice. That is the sound of the enemies because the Lord says, I'm gonna lead you to life and you know my voice for you are my sheep. I love it. In this book uh, called Rooted, uh, I know, know Pastor Tony and I, we, we, we love this. Uh, he says, He he he. It's always it's changed my life how he thinks about it. He said, "You know, it's the enemy's voice when it produces fear and striving. Another way to say it, self-protection and self-promotion. So, like, if it's if it's not the enemy, if it's the enemy's voice, it's going to lead me to like I need to strive and get after this something, and God get out of the way, and I'm going to run ahead of God. I got to do this, 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 this. It's like it's just like an overwhelming. There's no peace in that state at all." Or it's fear, I can't do this, I can't do this. I'm I'm, I'm so crippled by fear. And he's like, if that's the fruit of the voice, that is not the Lord. But rather, if it is the Lord, it will produce rest and greater faith, which I love so much, rest for your soul. You ever been in those moments, like have that crazy angst, but then you feel like God speaks to you and it's that of peace? It's that of like to rest, like it's okay. I'm fighting your battles. I know it's around the corner. I know you're stressed about this, but I'm I'm already ahead working on behalf of your good. But maybe it's also the other side where it's the greater faith side, where it's like, hey, I want you to step into something and maybe you're super afraid to do it. It's just like, I, it's, it's, it's gonna be rest and greater faith. I love that James, he nails it again here. He says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. And I, I just want to communicate, I can't communicate enough that that is the voice of our Father. He is the one who has this... He's more gentle than you realize, more encouraging than you would ever know, more uh, strong and powerful, fighting your battle than you would ever know, right? And that's the voice of him. Because remember, as a child of God, you can hear God's voice directly as he's speaking directly to each and every one of us. And when he speaks to you, you have to remember he's always directing your life for your good, the good of others, and the glory of him. So the heart of the one who speaks is that of a good shepherd. He knows you by name. He leads you. He brings you out. He goes before you. We know the sound of his voice is always to lead you to life. It's always going to lead you to uh, rest and greater faith. Right? Then the question becomes: How? How does God speak to us? Now, to curiosity: How many of you like have you ever thought about all the different ways like we can communicate with each other as humans? like 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 you know like the, the the number one way that we can communicate with each other is just body language, right? Like like just body language alone can is communicating something, right? So there's there's nonverbal communication, our body language, our eyes, our hands. But there's also verbal, right? But it doesn't stop there with how we can communicate with each other. We can communicate through calling, through email, through text message, through Discord, through Snapchat, through Instagram, through beepers, we can communicate through all different ways, and in the same way that you and I can communicate as humans in all these different avenues, God is the exact same way. He speaks in so many different ways to each and every one of us. But rather than break it down, because I would need probably, we would need probably five plus weeks to talk about all the different ways in which God speaks. I'll put, I'll put an example of seven behind me, and then I'm gonna go into detail on one of these. And so, uh, if you are a reader, uh, there is a book called Whisper by Mark Batterson. And behind me, there's a list of seven ways in which God speaks. Now, is this the totality of all the way God speaks? No, but the first one is Scripture, dreams. I could tell you story after story. Doors, He can open and close doors. Uh, desires, God, do I go to McDonald's or Burger King? I don't know. Which one do you want to go to? <laughs> Where should I plant a church? Where do you, I don't know, what city do you like, you know? Uh, we, we can really confuse God's voice with like, do I, what do I do? It's like, D- I don't know, like you want to go to Olive Garden or Applebee's? Do your thing, right? And if God wants you to go to a specific one, he'll make it sure, right? So our desires, right? Uh, but there's also people can speak, to, like God can speak through people, through promptings in our spirit and pain. There's all these different ways, but what I want to really talk about today uh, is something that one of my favorite theologians named F.B. Meyer says, and he describes this as the three lights. The three lights, right? Here's what the three lights are. Because I believe right now, I, I, this message is for somebody, right? There is some decision you need to make. You have been begging God for guidance, and I wanna encourage you that you either, A, know exactly what you need to do, and this is confirmation, or B, like, hold off in the moment, right? Here's the three lights. So it's this study and meditation of the scriptures. That's going to be key. Impressions from the spirit in your heart. And lastly, intelligent alertness to our circumstances. So the best way to describe this is like, how is God speaking to you in the scripture or in the sermon or in a worship song, whatever it is in scripture? What then is happening in your spirit? Do you feel like God is telling you to uh, go this way Um ask someone for forgiveness, Um, uh, be generous. Uh, What is that? The way I like to think about it is like, you have all these thoughts that are so normal, like just, and then God's voice is kind of that one thought that goes through and you're like, you want me to do what? I could tell you story after story. Last one, intelligent alertness to circumstances. So the scripture is in one piece how is he speaking me through scripture? The second is what's going on in my soul. Is the Holy Spirit guiding me to certain things? But the last is like, how are the circumstances lining up? Now, I'll mention this, these three lights, each one of these is not God's voice per se, nor is all of them God's voice. It is a process in which you can make a decision, right? So can you conflate these three things with your own desires and be like, yep, God said this, and then like this door open, and now I'm going to make a bad decision. Yeah, you could do that, but we all know it's not the Lord, right? Uh, but what, what I'm saying here is, if you have a posture of a surrendered heart, uh, truly, if you have a posture of a surrendered heart, I really believe if these three things light up per se, that could very well be God's voice directing you on a certain path. For some of you, it'll be joining full-time ministry. It'll be you're taking the next step to start serving here all the time, and here it is, he's been calling me, cool. For some, it's like, I I, I know, Jer- like, yep, God's called me to, to, to be a missionary. Okay, let's get you connected, let's go. For some, it's like, I, I I feel like, even though it just, I'm not sure, I need to say sorry to somebody. I, I don't know what it is, but like, I just felt like we should give you this, uh, th- this is how it goes. F.B. Meyer says this. I believe this is a word for somebody. If you do not know what you ought to do, stand still until you do. I believe that's a word for somebody. If you don't know what to do, you're in the midst of the decision, and it is not clear what you should do, just stand still, chill, let God figure it out, and let, let some other things confirm it before taking those steps, Right? And when the time comes for action, he says, circumstances like glowworms will sparkle along your path, and you'll become so sure that you are right when God's three witnesses or lights concur that you could not be sure though an angel beckoned you on. So take time to consider, is God right now lining up those three things in your life? If not, that's okay. Just do the next right thing. A lot of people will, will, will get stressed when they feel like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, I don't know where to go. It's very easy, just do the next right thing. Think of God's voice like this. If you and I were to get on the, uh, I'll tell you this, if we're gonna drive to L.A. right now, what's the main freeway that we're gonna take? 10. The I-10, right? How, how, just out of curiosity, I didn't look this up beforehand, how many miles do you think that is? 300? Yeah. So we know we're got to get on the I-10 to go to L.A., and it's going to be 300 miles. When Siri finally gets you on the I-10, what does Siri say? (laughs) Just stay on the 10 for the next 300 miles. And then what happens? An hour later, you go, did I take a wrong turn? Like, where is God? Like, that is so true to God's voice, where you're like, dude, you spoke to me like two years ago about this certain thing. What am I supposed to do? It's like, just do whatever he said last. Like, just to make it super easy. Like, whatever he said last, like, just be faithful in that. He hasn't, man, Siri hasn't spoken to me in 250 miles. You're almost there. Literally, it could be, like, for whatever God has spoken to you in the past, you could be just a few miles away from reaching the destination to where then Siri or God is going, I want you to go left or right, get on this freeway, do this, right? This is the beauty of our Savior. And so, I want to tell this story to wrap it up, and then I'll conclude. So, I have tons, but I, I'm, I'm gonna do one that can give all three. So I've told this story before, but when I got, like God got a hold of my heart, and I say saved in 2012, I literally, um, I felt by 2013 or 14 that God was calling me to preach. And at the church I was at, one of these pastors, he gave me like an opportunity around this time in Christmas. Hey, here's the opportunity, go. And I was deathly afraid. As, as you all know, like, wouldn't you just rather die than be up here? I mean, it's pretty like, I'm with you. Uh, so I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, I got so afraid, right? On top of that, like, in that time period, there was all these, like, gosh, the terrorist attacks were on next level from ISIS. And I'm like, yo, like, or like, what is the cost of this? Like, I don't want to do not want to do that. Like, who wants to be up here? And you've probably already done it. Like, no, 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 no fault of your own. Who wants to be up here and just, we know, So I just know. Some of you are like, eh, this sermon's terrible. Or some of you are like, eh, this is, this is, like, you're putting yourself up to so much criticism. I can say a wrong thing at any given moment that people will be like, did you hear what he said? When he went to that, it's like, I just said a 10,000 words, and then I get judged on the seven words that I. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just all the things I go. Ah, God, I'll pass, right? So we go into uh, we go into City View, and we 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 plant and we're AMC thirty, right? i it's we we plant in uh, 2015, 2016, and it's about 2017. And I was in a prayer meeting, and someone after comes up to me and says, "Hey, Jared, what do you feel like God's calling you to do?" And I said honestly, like, I just want to be behind the scenes. I want to resource pastors. And, and as I was talking, they made this face and I like, and they made this face and I was like, why are they like, and they go, Jared, I, I, I just want to tell you, like, I, I don't feel like, I just don't feel that way. And I'm like, uh, okay. And it's like, they go, I feel like God's saying, my brother, I'm calling you to the front. And I'm like, forget that word. I don't want to listen to that. Like, yeah, like get behind me, Satan, right? So I'm like, forget. No, absolutely not. So then I told the story before, but shortly thereafter, Jeremiah and I have a conversation. The second story of AMC. And Jeremiah, like, we had just like just planted this church. Jeremiah for a time was working bivocational, working and doing this. Like that. Like every time, you should just thank his hand for doing that. I would never recommend that to anyone. When people are like, I think bivocational ministry is the future. I'm like. Seen, I've seen my friend go through that. Wouldn't recommend it. If he can get full, paid full time, I'm I'm a cha, just I'm for it, right? So uh, we're talking, and I was like, what's going on? How are you? And he's about to preach, and he said, Man, I'm just tired. Like, I need someone that I can trust to cover for me. And in my soul, the inner prompting of my spirit was, It's you! You're the one! It's and then it's just kind of like I I realize that I am the one making him suffer, because my disobedience is 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 make it, it's it's shifting all the burden onto him, and it always makes me tear up because that's that's so true of what it was right that our that our disobedience in the small things doesn't just impact you but impacts the people around you, and so like I remember him saying that and I gave a wonderful spiritual answer. Hey man, God's got it. He's got it. He's got the person right in mind. And I went away from that like, oh, like I hate, I don't like how that felt in my soul. Anyway, so then I decided I'm I'm going to work. And I read my. I was reading scriptures before my my shift started. And I was reading about a guy named King Saul and a prophet named Samuel. And Saul, he uh, he gets anointed king even though he didn't want to be, and Samuel gives him very specific tasks. He says, here's what I want you to do. And Saul does 90% of them right. And at the end, he basically sacrifices before Samuel said, don't do anything until I get here. Just a word, remember the word a little bit ago? Like, if you don't have clarity, don't move forward, wait. I'm reading this scripture and he's talking about how Saul goes, what do you, like Samuel goes, you missed the mark. Saul goes, what do you mean? I Look at all the things I sacrificed. I didn't even want to be king. I did all these certain things. And then he said, don't you realize that God says he desires obedience over sacrifice? And it's like the Lord said, Jared, I asked you to do this one thing and all you do is dance around it. You dance, you dance. And just like Saul, Saul goes, I sacrifice all these things. He goes, hey, Jared, I see you on your sacrifice. I see you that you that you you you've you've like you've given your life to help really plant this church and do everything you can outside of work to make this thing happen but I've asked you to do this. And as you can see in that moment all these things start to line up and I drove home that day and I did the impossible prayer. I said I knew he wasn't going to answer. I said, "God, all right, if you want me to preach, I'll tell you this." Which thank you Jesus for for his kindness and patience. With my irreverence. That's how I literally said it in the prayer. I was like, I'll tell you that, like, if you want me to preach, the only way I'll ever do it is if Jeremiah asked me to. Now, for clarity, he knows I don't want to do that. He knows I'd rather die, just like you and I, if you were up here, right? And so the, the next day, Jeremiah texts me, I slide over the text, wasn't thinking anything of it. And then he said, Can you preach for me in two months or whatever it was? And I remember putting like locking my phone and being like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> are you serious? I was so you think I'd be no, I was mad. I was mad. I was <laughs> mad obedience, right? I was mad, like, are like I said, and then Jeremiah's like, Are you I said yes. He's like, Are you sure? I'm like, Oh no, I gotta tell you about the backstory me and the Lord have been having all in this time, right? But again, do you see the three lights? Do you see how the scripture of Saul was, was, was speaking to me something? That's why we, we get in our word, not just for a religion, but because God speaks through it, right? So we've got this piece. I've got the inner promptings of my spirit since 2013. Jared, I want you to step into this, and I'm too afraid. God's voice leads to rest and greater faith but the circumstances at the same time that of course it would happen that this person says this, I have this conversation with Jeremiah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He was all pointing toward the same goal and I finally ended up saying yes. So remember, as a child of God, you can hear God's voice as he speaks directly to you. And when he speaks to you, remember, it's always direct, he's always directing your life for your good, the good of others, and the glory of him please, I feel like this is just, again, for our community. Do not, like, if, if you can say yes to the smallest things of obedience that even feel in, insignificant, you never really would understand how much it could really impact other people, right? So here's what I want us to do, and then we'll close. I really want us as a community to follow his voice and do what you think he's saying. I'm gonna tell you right now, there's gonna be times you will get it wrong, But I will take you getting it wrong and trying to hear God's voice and like actually trying to do what he says. I will take that 1,000 times out of all the time. I I, I can't stress that enough because you have no idea in the times that you actually step forward what can happen. I don't have time. I could tell you story after story. When I did stuff where I was like, I think God's saying this, and then I step into him I'm like, oh my gosh, it actually were, it was him. And then you're pumped, you're like, I can hear God's voice, this is amazing, he does speak, we're not just doing a religion thing. Remember, the fruit of your obedience will always lead you to the good, your good, the good of us and glory of him. So I'll close with this, Banning coming up. So in John 10, 9, I want to speak to those who have never given their lives to Jesus, he says this, I am the door, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. It says in Romans that for the wages of sin is death, right? Meaning the the payment required for our sins is death. That's the payment. We are so far short of the God's glory. We have no. There's no amount of charity that you or I can do to make us right with God, and it's that eternal separation from the one who loved us, the one who created us. But rather than us make the payment, God logged in and stepped in Himself. He logged in. He said, "I'm going to pay for it myself." He knew the wages of sin was death, so he stepped into our place so we didn't have to. And so he says this, I'm the good shepherd. Notice he'll say this in verse 14 through 15. He says, I lay down my life for my sheep. Then he goes in 18, he says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. Why does he lay down his life for us? Because we're awesome? No, because he is that's the gospel, right? The gospel says that you and I are more wicked and lost than we would ever know, yet more loved by God than we would ever dare hope. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus, today's the day. It says this in Hebrews. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You never know how much time you have left. Today, When you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Could it be watching online or in this room that the three lights that I just got talking about has been the same thing happening in your life? Could it be that the circumstances led to this moment? You had this thought you couldn't get out of your mind. That's like, I gotta go to church, or, I gotta watch online, and it's and it's the 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 words behind me that's really impacting you, it's guiding you towards this one thing. Could it be that this is your moment? And he says this in, in 2 Corinthians 2 or 6, he says, Behold, today is the day of your salvation. And so I'll leave it with this. It says in Romans 10, 9, behind me. This is the simple, this is the simple prayer that we'll pray after this. He says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is all the Lord requires. Someone asked, he said, what must I do to do the works of God? He says, believe. Believe in the one who, who sent. Believe in the one who sent me. I don't require you doing anything else. I just require your belief. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you have never decided to do that, I wanna give you this moment. So let's pray. If you have never decided to follow Jesus, then pray this with me. Jesus, I believe that you are Lord and I believe that you raised me from the dead. Come into my life and save me. Did you decide to follow Jesus while listening to this podcast today? We want to celebrate with you and help you with your next steps. Click the link in the podcast description to get connected with a pastor and your next step. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click the follow button and tune in next week for another great message.